I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Welcome everyone to VLGA Connect and I'm delighted to bring you another episode of our Local Leaders series where we talk to select mayors, CEOs, many of them new to the sector in Victoria at least, to find out a little bit about them and their priorities on uh, on this program. And today I'm very pleased to have Brent McAllister with us who was appointed as the CEO at Northern Grampians Shire Council back in February of this year. Brent, welcome. Yeah, morning or kia ora as uh, the Kiwi cousins would say. Indeed. So let's get that one uh, straight off the bat. You you are originally from New Zealand? Yeah, I'm originally born and bred a Kiwi in a place called Invercargill, which if anyone's been there, they would have been frozen. Uh, yeah. They have ver- they have horizontal rain in Invercargill. It's right at the end of New Zealand. So I, I was about 15 years in local government in New Zealand, town planner originally, and mostly around Hamilton and the Waikato area. Right. Did did you work at Invercargill Council? I did. My first uh, job was at Invercargill uh, Council. Um, I won't say when, but um, uh, only lasted a year, and then I was back up into the North Island. So right. yeah, I, I only ask because they're in the news a bit of late. They've got some council law issues that are making uh, headlines, but uh, we 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 don't need to get into that. <laughs> uh, so so, what role did you start in? What what's your your local government background, Brent? Look, I'm a town planner and so uh, qualified town planner and then sort of worked into around the 90s, got into management and then pretty much been a director of planning and community services for 25 years mm. and then just recently with Northern Grampians into CEO role. So, yeah, I've had, um, I think I was saying to you, I've worked in Queens and New South Wales. Victoria um, and New Zealand, and I was very lucky that the month I arrived one month before the two-year lockdown in Victoria, so it wasn't that um, timely. Yeah, very, very fortuitous. Uh, So even if you had any regrets, there wouldn't have been much you could do about it. (laughs) Exactly. I was at home for two years Um, and and the month before I I got here, so that was um, a bit of a rude awakening, really. Tell us about the Lismore experience, because I think you were there during a pretty big flood event, weren't you, back uh, last decade? I was. I was there for a decade, and and I managed accidentally, is probably the best way to say, the 2017 flood, which was 11 metres, if you can picture that. Um, And the most recent one, about uh, 12 months ago, was 14.5 metres. So, yeah, just an unbelievable... I mean, basically, when I was there, it went to the top of the floor of the CBD um, and houses, but the recent one 12 months ago went to the second story of the entire city centre and also houses. So, yeah, just uh, um, uh, probably the highlight of my – well, the flood wasn't the highlight, but managing the recovery was certainly – I'd rate that as the highlight of my career, to be frank with you. Yeah, I know what you mean, because it would be challenging, but also probably rewarding in many ways to be able to lead people through something like that. How how do you prepare for that? Because it's not like everybody's got experience with it. Well, I was just, it was accidental. I went down to actually clean a shop 
um, and I, the evacuation order was still in place. So I thought, oh, I better not be seen downtown <laughs> cleaning a shop when you're not meant to be there. So I went up to the headquarters and, and New South Wales at that stage had no system for recovery. And so oh. uh, three um, young teenage uh, university students came to the door. It was on a Sunday, I remember it. And they had set up a Facebook site to manage the recovery, to try and match people who wanted to clean and, and recover and those that had needs and they said does anyone want to help manage this whole recovery thing so I put my hand up and sort of one month later after working seven days a week sort of 18 hours a day I um, we ended up going taking over the train station and helping thousands of people so it was they call it um, uh, spontaneous volunteering so it's um, yeah and so because there was no system in place and and even the re most recent flood there was no real system in place for recovery and you would have seen the Tinny Army and the whole yeah. you know basically the, and, and Lismore's a fantastic community they helped themselves and they went and rescued people so I ended up with PTSD out of it which wasn't a pleasant really? thing uh, yeah because you get you wear a lot of the emotion from people yeah. Um, and so I ended up having to have a thing called finger therapy. It's called um, desensitisation therapy to try and get over it. And, and um, yeah, it was quite a quite a big uh, part of my career. That one, yeah. That's something we hear about first responders a lot, don't we? That uh, that taking on the emotion, the um, the feelings that people are are, are bearing. Um, is it something you're completely uh, dealt with or does it linger in any way um look I, I went on to have sort of a reoccurring um sort of a, a, a and i think it's the trauma i still had a, a, a sort of basically a situation where a, a family were shouting and screaming at each other and and i just kept on waking up and re-playing re, uh, that experience. After mm -hmm. I had this desensitisation therapy, it, the, the, uh, it went away. And so occasionally when I see disasters, I sort of cry and it sort of comes back, but it's mm -hmm. thankfully not a regular monthly thing now, no. So I'm getting slightly off the track of the interview plan that I had, but <laughs> how does I imagine that's a useful tool now in your tool boot when, belt when you're dealing with... Uh, people as a, a leader who might be confronted by, you know, whatever it might be that might confront them in their everyday working lives. Yeah, look, it's it's funny. My I've got five daughters, and one of my daughters said to me once, "What is what do you reckon the number one leadership quality was?" And I went on about drive and achieving, and she said vulnerability. And after the Lismore flood, I I'm convinced that vulnerability. Uh, is actually the number one leadership uh, qualities because, yeah, you can connect with other people. Um, and so uh, when I came to Victoria, so I was a month out from the two-year lockdown, I had a whole lot of tools in my toolkit around meditation and breathing and all sorts of tools to actually cope with that. I think if I hadn't had the Lismore flood, I would have found the lockdown really hard. That's really interesting, Yeah. So you worked in Queensland, you said. Where in Queensland? Uh, Gladstone for five years, which is sort of the industrial heartland of Australia, actually. Big coal place. They've got refineries, all sorts of things. So 
Um, look, Queensland local government is far more regionalised. You've got some large cities, Cairns, Townsville, Mackay, etc., um, and long distances from the capital. So I think I think out of all the states, including New Zealand, I've got to uh, commend Queensland as being very regionally focused. Uh, by definition, I think New mm. South Wales is probably the most centralised followed by Victoria, but Queensland really put a lot of time and effort into the regional areas. And, and you're saying that's a positive? That's a I, I'm saying it's a really benefit. big positive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you get Sydney and Melbourne-centric and the regions often feel left out, um, whereas certainly that's not the case in Queensland. We'll come to that in a moment in terms of your current role. Uh, you went from Lismore, I think, to Wellington, a small shire in in Victoria. Was Would that be one of the smallest that you've worked in? Uh, it, is, it is one of the smallest, about 45,000. Um, Wellington is... Um, often say if you die and go to local government heaven, you go to Wellington, you know, very positive relationships between councillors, community staff, um, and very, very uh, positive culture there. So I was very uh, pleased to, Lismore was a tough place. It had lots of little factions and issues, and it was kind of nice going to the heaven of local government. So, yeah. So, uh, so that begs the question, why leave? Oh, look, I've got five uh, five daughters. Four of them have moved to Victoria. I wasn't overly happy when they moved here because I've actually got a house in Byron Ballina. So <laughs> right. uh, I was thinking, uh, can't you move to Brisbane? But mm. they moved to Melbourne, as, as you do. Everyone in Byron Bay tends to move to Melbourne. Everyone in Melbourne moves to Byron Bay for some reason. But um, So yeah, I'm here because of my four daughters. There are three in Melbourne and one in Snake Valley, which is just which is the reason for one of the main reasons I'm out here. Yeah. So, and I've got a granddaughter. So, kids, really. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, Northern Grampians was a, a, a it was a good timing opportunity. Was there anything particularly about Northern Grampians that appealed to you, though? Um, look, I I had a, it's funny when you when you come from New South Wales and you 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 know everyone knows Melbourne and and Melbourne is everything. Melbourne's almost Victoria for New South Wales people. I didn't mm. know much about Gippsland. The only thing I knew about Gippsland was Hazel, uh, the power station. Um, yeah. What's the power station that got shut down? Um, Hazelwood. Yeah, uh, Hazelwood. Yeah. Hazelwood. So that's the only thing I knew about Gippsland. And then over this side, the only thing I really knew was the stall gift um, because mm. of the TV. So it's it's funny, you know, uh, New South Wales people really focus on Melbourne and then everything else is a bit of a blank. Um, so in terms of coming over here, I've got a daughter over at Snake Valley, so it's an hour and quarter away. And um, driving through Melbourne from Gippsland was just not a good thing. And we've got a granddaughter. So, you know, yeah. that, that's the attraction, really. So what are your first impressions of the, the council and the community then in Northern Grampians? Look, I, I, I did a thing called a listening tour. I usually do this when I come and basically just talk to everyone for the first two or three months. And I just thought, wow, this place has so much. I mean, some places have uh, little substance or relatively little substance and big image, um, and then other places have massive substance and not, you don't know much about them. And so I, I think definitely Northern Grampians has an amazing, uh, like, for example, um, I went around five businesses in the first two weeks that have a 1,000 jobs 
and growing jobs. There's a big um, abattoir, the gold mine employs 300 people in a town of 6,500. So it's, it's, it's amazing in terms of jobs. And then it's got Hall's Gap and, and the Stall Gift. So I think in terms of um, qualities, it really is punching away above its weight in terms of the assets and the attractions they've got here. But perhaps just a not well-known to be frank mm. with you, mm. um, not enough. Um, I mean, Gippsland has a lot of publicity because there's a lot of money chucked at the fact that uh, coal's phasing out. And, and whereas yeah. I think in terms of there's not as much money chucked over this side of uh, western part of, of Victoria compared to the east. People might be starting to become aware of the location because of the dark matter mine, perhaps. Have you mm-hmm. been down there yet? I haven't been down there, but um, it's quite unique. And um, we recently had someone come from England who's who studies, written a book on these things, um, and he thinks it's pretty unique in the world. And um, I haven't been down there, but it's it's certainly something I want to do. Yeah. So, what do you see as the big challenges, issues, or opportunities in the near future for for you and your role at Northern Grampians? Look, I think housing, uh, it's funny, one of the staff said, what do you think the priorities? I said, well, number one is housing, then there's daylight, then there's everything else. Um, So housing's big. It was big over in um, Sale as well in in Gippsland, but I reckon it's it's at another level here because a a, a lot of people, I mean, there's a thousand jobs and there's big growth with gold and and this and the um abattoirs and that and people say well why why isn't housing being built I, i've got a 30-year pedigree in planning one thing i've learned over the years is there's a complete disconnect between demand and supply so even if you have massive jobs like northern grampians that doesn't translate into houses because at the end of the day the margins in a place like sale or stall are so much thinner compared to say ballarat Bendigo uh, and Geelong, and therefore developers, it's a it's a risky game. And if you can get a thirty or forty percent return in those bigger cities and a bigger margin and sale price, why would you go to smaller areas, even if there's lots of jobs? So I think mm. it's it's a tough one here. Um, I, it's not helped by a few things. Um, I certainly uh, don't think the windfall gains tax is coming in on the first of July. It's not affecting us here so much, but I know over in sale. Uh, the developers were in a mad hurry to get land zoned by, by the 30th of June this year. Mm. <clears throat> Why would you put a tax on to uh, around, and it's really affecting re, uh, regional areas, that tax. I don't know if you've heard about that, but yeah, it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. Uh, I, I've noticed a few statements coming out of your council recently about some pretty big issues for you. Power transmission infrastructure is one. Regional yes. banking services is another how yes. um how effective do you feel you can be at the size you are in advocating for better outcomes on those big issues where you're dealing with big corporations and other levels yeah. of government yeah look um we certainly uh, the vni and we were just at a meeting with emo yesterday uh, one of the things i said to the ceo of emo is that you need to tell the story of why 
VI is required and the Marinus Link, which is over in um, Gippsland, they're connecting Tasmania and New South Wales because obviously uh, going out of coal into wind and solar, it, when it's not windy and it's not sunny, they need to draw energy from the from the pumped hydro and the snowy and also in the um, dams in, in uh, Tasmania. And, and therefore, those connections are required. Um, otherwise, there'll be a real issue. So I think that story hasn't been told, the bigger picture of why those connections with New South Wales and Tasmania is required. I'm not sure why. Look, to be honest with you, the big um, NBNs and the EMOs of the world are basically utility providers. I, I probably think they're not well set up for PR consultation and communication. Their NBN yeah. is the same. They're, they're, they're big utility. They're good at power and and um, connectivity, but when it comes to consultation and things, and so our council has been, uh, we've had two very large meetings, 160 and then 260 people in a town hall in St. Arnold. Uh, we very much support the farming community. Um, the information and the consultation has been completely inadequate. Um, one thing that I have taken from Gippsland, because we had offshore wind there, is we've set up a a transmission online forum. So we get all the various players, VFF, EMO and everyone else and the council fortnightly to just talk about the issues. Mm. Um, so I reckon communication is the way to go, but it's been rushed through and I understand why it's been rushed through. Uh, I was over in Gippsland and all the coal-fired power stations are, are being shut down quicker than had had been thought of, so therefore mm. these connections need to be rushed through and, and put in place. We understand that, but look, the farmers are really upset about this, and quite yeah. rightly so. Well, good luck for getting some sort of uh, acceptable outcome out of all of that. Mm-hmm. One thing I know we do well in Victoria, and I'll be interested in your view on the other states you've worked, um, particularly at CEO level, is work together in regional groupings particularly, and I assume you've met all your neighbouring CEOs and you yep. you know, share your stories and band together on uh, broader regional issues. Yeah, look, I, I've noticed that, and there's uh, we're in two groups: the Central Highlands and then the Woomera one. Uh, so we sort of caught between the two, which is kind of nice. So you go to two groups instead yeah. of one. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of support with CEOs. I've had a number of CEOs ring me up and say, "Hey, do you need to?" connect with things um so i think it's i i reckon you're right it's it's one step up from new south wales and elsewhere that um that sort of peer um support is really good um and so i i've really appreciated that since i've come here given you've got a planning background i did want to ask you there's there's a uh, some are calling it a crisis in the sector at the moment i know mm. uh, as recently as this week alpine shire has uh, had a review uh, released, which says its strategic planning function is in crisis. Uh, anywhere you look, councils are struggling to get planners. How do we solve this problem? It must be particularly concerning to you as a long-term planner. Look, I, I, I think the thing is, there's a couple of angles to this, Chris. One, I think, uh, particularly in Victoria, like Queensland, for example, they have a legislation that was put in 2009 We've got legislation in Victoria, 1987, and New South Wales, it goes back to 1979. So I think the systems need reforming. Um, There hasn't been much appetite 
uh, in New South Wales or Victoria to do that? Why have we got legislation that is almost 40 years old or more, uh, whereas Queensland have, uh, you know, reformed and updated? So it's not particularly attractive for planners <clears throat> where the system's very outdated. Um, and so I think that's one. I think the other thing is that um, I think, and, and particularly around governance, we've got to protect our planning staff more. I can remember, you know, many meetings in Lismore, staff being called liars and greens and all the rest of it, and staff looking on Facebook, you know, three days out and having can't sleep at night and all the rest of it because mm. they're attacked. I, I think, I think uh, we've got to protect our staff more uh, because what they do is they go into consultancy. There's more money in it and less angst. Um, so I think the culture of councils... One thing that we had in Wellington, which was really good, is we had 100% delegations, which is unique. And so they had complete trust in planning staff. And so every mm. decision was made by staff. Uh, and it also means that developers like that because there's certainty. Uh, mm. As soon as something goes to council and no disrespect to councillors, uh, there's uncertainty of decision making. So I think there's a few things, but it's, it's, it's not a profession that, um, that, that people are flocking to. It's a bit like health mm. inspection. Um, mm. It is a real crisis. Thankfully, we've got very good staff here, which is great. Um, what uh, what other areas are of concern to you in terms of being able to attract good staff? Uh, building inspection is is more dire than planning, um, and you can't. Uh, for example, in Wellington, we had a building inspector that was sort of in his seventies, and mm. you know we were keeping him going yes. because he actually was an MBS and and. Um, and, and they're, they're like hen's teeth um, and some councils having to have certifiers out of the Gold Coast, you know, because they just can't get anyone in Victoria to do it. Um, you know, I really think um, private certifying is, as everyone's gone to that and councils aren't the attractive option. Um, mm. Private certifying is another story, but... Um, I think you know building inspection would be the would be the hardest and the most difficult uh, profession to recruit in local government, followed by planning, and then engineering appears to be uh, getting better. Um, that would be my assessment. Uh, perhaps one last question: you, you will no doubt be aware that a number of councils are now being targeted by what are being variably described as far right extremist groups, etc. Have we seen any of that uh, getting out into your neck of the woods yet? <laughs> uh, thankfully not. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. thankfully not. I think there are. I've heard that there are people that support that approach in the Shire, but. Um, hopefully they're not listening to this broadcast. <laughs> Probably <laughs> and, and, unlikely. As a trigger for it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not pleasant. As I say, when I was in Lismore, we didn't have that group, uh, but we certainly had, you know, f extreme left and extreme right groups targeting council. We often would have 200 people at meetings and uh, we even had uh, the old Arabic shoe throwing incident and lots of abuse. And we used to, uh, we had um, security at every meeting. So I, I, I think it's not pleasant. It can age you. In fact, it can reduce your life expectancy, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And so I think it's very corrosive for senior staff. Um, and then, of course, those groups tend to get in as councillors, um, and then that's an, that's that sort of raises it to another level when you've got councillors who uh, represent those groups. So I don't know if that's happened in Victoria where those groups have got into council. 
Um, but uh, yeah. there, there are examples, yes. There are examples. All, all right, Brent, uh, really all interesting right. to get your insights on uh, all of those issues. I want to wish you well for your yeah. uh, term at Northern Grampians. I hope it's a long, fruitful and satisfying one. And I hope yeah, this experience today has been uh, uh, no, enjoyable good. for you too. Yeah, well done. Thanks for that. No worries. Thank you very much. That's Brent McAllister, okay. the new CEO at Northern Grampians Shire Council on our Local Leaders series from VLGA Connect.